0: This is Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography with your host, Rob Knight.
1: On Your Itinerary this week, Mike Driscoll brings us a special report from the New York Times Travel Expo. Welcome to Your Itinerary. My name is Rob Knight, and I'm here with my buddy, Mike Driscoll, who has been on the show before. You might remember him talking about our trip to uh, Costa Rica on one of the first episodes of Your Itinerary. But uh, Mike just got back from the New York Times Travel Show in New York City, obviously, and so he's interviewed several people, several of the, uh, the vendors and tour operators about what they have to offer and what they can offer a photographer specifically. And so I've asked Mike to come on and uh, kind of introduce these clips and then uh, we'll play the interviews for you. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me back, for sure. You bet. So tell me a little bit about the New York Times Travel Show. I was thinking about this when I was on the way
2: up to uh, record this, and the best I can explain the show as a whole was like a worldwide rave. You've got different dancers from different countries. You've got noise from people just walking around. Uh, there were probably, and this is just a guess, maybe 50 countries represented at the show uh, from all over the place, all the continents, uh, you know, within reason. Uh, a lot of tour operators, a lot of uh, state-sponsored uh, tour information for people to get out to the countries that aren't necessarily the, the big hitters like Italy and Europe and or, or other European countries. So... It was just a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of tutorials from experts. I know that some of the bigger names in the um, blogging world and newspaper world that have to do with travel were there giving talks during the day. Uh, There were also classes throughout the whole weekend. It wasn't just Saturday. I just made it to the expo floor, but uh, Peter Greenberg was there doing a talk. There was also a uh, travel photography class. Uh, I don't remember who was hosting that, but lots to do for sure. And I'm just thankful I got out before the blizzard came through the next day.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the the, um, the classes are mainly for travel agents or, or what? No, it's really, you know, I, I kind of got the sense before I went that this was more
2: of an industry insider kind of thing. But when I arrived, it was clear that this was just, hey, let's do a show in the biggest city in the country and we'll get tremendous participation. So it really was meant for the consumer and not necessarily not necessarily the industry insiders, as I mentioned. Uh, There were plenty for both parties, but I would say overall, it was more about, hey, come and see our safari camp or, hey, check out the cruises that our cruise line does. Really appealing to the customer.
1: Very cool. So this is something that you might want to, you know, if there's a travel show in a bigger city nearby, this is definitely something that you'd want to jump on and check out. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can
2: get a lot of information very quickly and actually meet the people that are on property in a lot of cases. It's not just talking to someone in Texas that has a headset on and, you know, is about to take their lunch break and, you know, they don't really care where here you can shake their hands. You can talk to them. You can ask really important questions that
1: you may not necessarily ask over the phone or through email to somebody. Very cool. And you get a lot more personalized information than you would just checking out somebody's website.
2: Yeah. And you can also, and this may sound bad, but you can also kind of see through the BS filter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk to these people and they say, yeah, yeah, we can do this and that and everything else. Or you know the next booth down actually shows you pictures and 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 provides you with real content that m- helps make your decision easier on where to spend your travel money. It's that that is invaluable, I think.
1: Nice, very cool.
2: Well, let's get into the interviews. Um, who are we gonna hear from first? Well, let's. Uh, I guess we could start off with the heavy hitter, uh, G Adventures. You and I both are big fans of what they do, and would, um you know, G Adventures is a huge travel company. Um, They were started in Canada about 10 years ago. And um, in this interview, I interviewed Ben. He's the PR guy that was at the show. I'll tell you this, of all the booths that were there, G was very consistent with the amount of people there. Uh, It seemed to be a destination for a lot of the uh, convention goers and not necessarily, oh, well, I'll pick up some information. I think a lot of people at the G Adventure booth Knew what they were going to get into and actually wanted to take the next step in booking their trip and not just gathering information.
1: Right. So they were specifically seeking out this particular booth. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: but, you know, just to speak a little bit about G Adventures, um, they appeal to a younger audience, um, halfway through the 20s, up to 40. Uh, they definitely appeal to a lot older as well, but it seems to be most of their business comes from that 25 to 40 age. And their trips are more rustic um, in a good way. I mean, they take care of everything that you need, but they, they tend to go to more rustic areas, places that aren't touristy, so to speak. Um, in fact, I believe, if memory serves me correct, their first trip 10 years ago or however long it was, was to the middle of the Amazon. You know, it wasn't to uh, Big Ben or the Eiffel Tower. Right. You know? So that kind of gives you an idea on where they're focused. Very cool. I also uh, read somewhere that they're um, a very big employer of young people. I think a lot of college uh, age folks get involved with their company because you know travel needs a little bit of a, a spunk and an adventure mindset, and they that that age group is kind of perfect to lead that on. Uh, one other thing I'll mention before we get to the recording is a lot of their tours deal with local people, and Ben will talk about that in the podcast. But I thought that was a pretty cool aspect of their. Uh,
1: Their company. Very cool. Let's check it out.
2: Okay, I'm here with Ben Perlow at the New York Times Travel Show and um, he's with G Adventures. Uh, Ben, tell us a little bit about G Adventures and how they can appeal to photographers.
3: Uh, So, G Adventures, we're all about um, bringing immersion culture to our travelers. Uh, We do about 150,000 travelers a year, um, and those travelers are primarily focused on getting to know the culture. Doing, doing some adventurous things while while they're there, and and seeing the beautiful sights. Uh, we do about eight hundred trips all across the world. Um, some of our most popular trips are Peru, uh, Costa Rica. Uh, we're rolling out a new trip in Colombia, going to the Coffee Triangle. Um, we uh, just did a new trip uh, in Haiti, uh, and uh, we go to the Galapagos. Uh, we do Antarctic. And down to the Arctic, so you can take some of the pictures of the polar bears and the penguins, uh, and the the wildlife pictures are, are amazing.
2: So, what's the typical customer for G Adventures?
3: So, on a, our average age is uh, about mid 40, uh, mid to early 40s, uh, young professionals or mid, uh, mid in their career, um, really focused on uh, trying something different.
2: And what about the uh, breakdown of male and female? Do you, I mean, percentage-wise?
3: It's, uh, most, uh, most of our travels are probably uh, women, uh, probably on the 60% side I would say. Wow, that's a little surprising.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it's surprising, but it is. Um, so you guys, you mentioned that you've got some new trips. What about the early trips, like how did Gia Ventures come to be? Where, where were the original destinations?
3: So our first destination was Peru. We were basically the first people in uh, to the Inca Trail. Uh, we kind of promoted it and made it as big as it is today. Uh, so that's really how we got started. Um, we, uh, the owner of the company 25 years ago saw an opportunity for small group travel that was really uh, about the experience you get there, as opposed to staying in um, you know more chain hotels. Uh, you know, part of our business model is uh, sustainability, so we're all about making sure that our operations are local. Uh, we stay at local hotels. Uh, we don't go to big chain hotels. Um, we set up a lot of uh, projects within the communities to make sure that the money stays within the community of our travelers uh, when they when they're there spending money. That's cool.
2: Now, as far as the photography um, is involved with it, I mean, you guys aren't a photo workshop or a photo tour guide, but inevitably, everyone on the trip has a camera. Speak a little bit about the. The opportunities that they have to use their camera and uh, to to bring away a good picture from the trip.
3: Sure. So with every one of our trips, we have a CEO, and that's our chief experience officer. And they're and they're they're well experienced, and they know the uniqueness of the destinations. So they're really uh, a photographer's dream because they'll take you to the spots where either they can capture the best picture, the best time to capture the picture, um, what. Are rarities uh, while you're traveling. So that's really how we kind of focus um, uh, around photography with our travelers. Getting to know the CEO, they'll take you to where the spots are, and uh, and there's been some great pictures that, uh, that, uh, that have come out of it.
2: So it sounds like the difference between G Adventures and a typical photography workshop is the instruction after the shot. So if you've got a knowledge on how to use a camera and um, you know how to compose a shot, G Adventures might be the perfect situation because they can get you to where you need to be, and then you can kind of take over from there.
3: Absolutely, I mean we've got uh, we've got the the probably uh, pr- the biggest operations for adventure travel. So, and adventure to us means many different things, right? So it's not just zip lining or bungee jumping or doing something crazy, but again, it's that immersion in the culture. So by getting immersed, meeting the local owner of a hotel. Uh, Getting to know the CEO who was born there um, it, it really allows us to be able to direct the customer and, and customize the trip the way they want to they do it. So if photography is a, 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 a big priority of yours during the trip, the CEO will definitely make uh, give you the opportunity and put you in the places that you need to be to make those shots.
2: So it sounds like the CEO is a native to that country. Is that always the case?
3: It's not always the case, but we do pride ourselves on trying to uh, attract local talent while we are there. So, I I, I mean, I I don't have a percentage on how many are, but I I would say the majority are. We have about 30 30 different offices and they're all in the uh, locations in which we travel. So we have operations across the world and and that's how we attract the talent.
2: Now, an actual trip, like, how many people are we talking? Kind of lay out, like, a trip to Peru. just
3: Sure. Um, so, you know, our trip sizes are around, on average, about 12. We max out at 16. Um, and basically what happens is, you, you know, a day in the life of the trip, you land in, I'll take you through Peru, you land in Peru, you stay in a local hotel in Lima, um, then uh, the next morning you're off kind of doing your adventures, uh, you're seeing Lima. You're going. Uh, you're going from Lima to Cusco. You fly to Cusco. Uh, you get city tours. You get uh, to trail to see the Inca sites, uh, and then uh, for a couple days, and then you're off doing your trek. So you can hike. We can uh, hike and do the Inca Trail. You can do the large Trek, and then your final piece is you land in uh, Machu Picchu, which is, you know, the wonderland. Yeah. Well,
2: that's cool. Anything else that you would offer up to uh, uh, somebody
3: listening to the podcast? Sure. So, I mean, if you're looking for that different type of travel and you're looking for to get a real local authentic experience, uh, you know, G Adventures is for you. Um, Like I said, we have a a, a very big reach. We're the largest adventure travel company and uh, we offer a great experience.
2: Now, price-wise, uh, low end and high end. Uh, what, do you, can you offer some just some ballpark figures for somebody listening?
3: Sure. I mean, that's the great thing about us is we 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 own and do all of our operations, so we're able to kind of give it to the consumer uh, at a very hefty discounted price. Kind of like a wholesaler would be. Yeah, it's similar. Uh, I mean,
2: you still make a profit and all exactly. that. Exactly.
3: And uh, and uh, you know, our trips range anywhere from a thousand dollars to Costa Rica or even a little less. Um, for a five, six, seven day uh, trip to Costa Rica uh, all the way up to uh, a high end of $6,000 to go up to Antarctic um, and and sail uh, and take or down to Antarctic I should say up to the Arctic uh, and see the polar bears and and the penguins.
2: And that still sounds reasonable too. So tell me about Africa. All
3: right so Africa that's probably one of our more popular destinations. We do a wide range of uh, trips there anywhere from 13 to 30 days uh... you know from a price standpoint of twenty five hundred to five thousand Um it's one of our more popular destinations for photographers as well uh... you get to see the big five we go to kruger national park we do a lot of different uh, tours from zimbabwe to uh... kruger to um, uh, that thirty-day trip that kind of goes and does all of south africa we also do uh, mount Killy hikes etc so um, Africa, in general, is a hot destination, and it's a great place to kind of go out and do safari.
2: Yeah, I, I actually went to Africa last uh, summer, and I'm, I'm going back, because it is an amazing place. Um, you mentioned the animals what and the, the hiking. What other activities do you guys um, do in the country there? What about shark diving, for instance? Uh, so, Or should I not have asked yeah, shark yeah. diving? <laughs>
3: we'll cut that uh, out. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Um, so, I mean, some of the other... It, I mean... A lot of it is, is, is going to see those, but it's also kind of getting familiar with the landscape as well. So, uh, you know, we do, um, you know, we, we do overland trips, etc., that we're kind of going through and, and, uh, and, and seeing the landscape of what Africa has to offer. I mean, it's a beautiful country, uh, and, uh, and there are some great shots there. Well, thank you very much, Ben. Okay, thank you, and I appreciate the time.
1: Okay, Mike, who are we going to hear from next? Well, I definitely wanted to hit some of the Cuba
2: representatives based on the new law change. Sure. So we're going to hear from Emily, and she basically explains uh, what they do, uh, Cuba Travel Services. For the most part, they're a transportation service to Cuba, but they also will design some packages once you get on land, uh, things to do, where to go, that kind of thing. And I think it's just important for photographers now because it's on my short list to make it down to Cuba there are some restrictions. It's not just, hey, take the family down to the beach in Cuba for a week. It doesn't work like that yet, but
1: it is certainly a little bit easier to get there now. Legally. Sure, and I, and I know everybody's been hearing about that and, and uh, that's definitely on everybody's mind right now. So There is the fine print still. Right, sure. Well, let's check it out.
2: Okay, I'm here with Emily Sanchez with Cuba Travel Services. Emily, tell us a little bit about what you guys do as it relates to the way tr- Americans can travel now to Cuba.
4: Sure, Uh, well we actually charter flights to Cuba directly from Miami and Tampa. We do about 20 flights a week and now we're starting our JFK flight uh, starting March 17th.
2: Cool, so you guys arrange the flights, get everybody there and then you're done.
4: Well, we also arrange uh, travel packages for them once they're there. So we do arrangements like hotel, accommodations, um, car rentals and we also help them organize different activities to do once they're there.
2: So give me a 30 second, in a nutshell, the, 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 the law change and how it affects Americans. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, what the president did was change uh, the, the categories in the licensing. So now there's uh, 12 categories for the general uh, license, and which basically means that people can actually go to Cuba by just signing a form that certifies that they are in fact going to do a uh, qualified. Um, category.
2: So as far as uh, taking your family for a beach vacation that's not necessarily allowed right now?
4: Not right now. Tourism is still not allowed.
2: But uh, somewhat of a professional capacity uh, camera in hand as a cultural trip that's that's something that can be pulled off right?
4: Exactly. Uh, The the key is really to have uh, exchange with the people in Cuba. Um, Have the back-and-forth interaction that is really going to benefit not only the Cuban people, but the American travelers going there.
2: One other question for you, Um, and uh, you you mentioned a form, what else is needed to, to get on that plane?
4: Well, the reservation, the certification, and that's basically it. You have to have a program, you want to have a plan when you go there so that you know that you're in compliance and you're doing what you say you're going to be doing on the trip.
2: Perfect, well thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, Mike, who's next on the list? We've got Wayfarer's Walking Tours. And the reason I wanted to interview these guys, uh, it's a lot different than many of the representatives at the show. Basically, it's a tour company that uh, operates on your own two legs. You would walk around the touristy areas or the not-so-touristy areas. And I wanted to hear kind of what, why somebody would want to do this. You know, most vacations you take, you don't necessarily want to exhaust yourself. But when you really think about it, you've got a bag full of camera gear. And if you could slow your experience down, which is what walking essentially does, you get a lot better shots.
1: That makes sense. And you're not on and off the bus all the time. and sort of at the whim of the tour operator to yeah, shoot when, you, when they feel like you should instead of when you want to. Right. And because you are walking, you can't
2: necessarily have that 30 pound bag of camera gear. You know, you may be limited to one or two
1: lenses. And that can obviously bring some good work home. Sure, great. And uh, we're gonna hear from Deirdre, right? That's correct. Cool, let's check it out.
2: Okay, I'm with Deirdre from the Wayfarers. Tell me a little bit about it.
0: Wayfarers Walking Vacation started in 1984 by a gentleman named Michael West. Uh, the concept being seeing new locations up close and very personal. Uh, we do a lot of Europe. Uh, some destinations here in the United States but mostly we like to see other countries and really experience everything that they have to offer.
2: So I'm noticing on your photos um, there's not a strip of asphalt on any of them so these are more rustic or?
0: They are a bit more rustic depending on the location uh, we like to use people our walk managers and leaders are always from the country so they'll show us the best trails, the best places to see, the best places to eat and stay. So we really encourage and want our travelers to see all of these interesting places and not be on the road uh walking down the side of the street.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, that that could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so is it uh like full board everything or is it just meeting up and
0: it's all inclusive so once we locate you you get yourself to our meeting point, uh, usually a rail station we'll pick you up we take care of absolutely everything the entire time you're with us you don't even have to pay for a cup of tea so we are an absolutely um, all-inclusive easy you don't have to worry your luggage is even taken from place to place and it's just uh, a great way to travel.
2: So walking, what's, uh, what kind of distances are we talking?
0: Uh, we do anywhere from what we call easy, which is a number one, to energetic, which can be about 18 miles a day, and can be some pretty steep terrain, Malfi Coast, you could be doing a lot of up and down, but like I said, one to five, so there's a lot of room in there in between.
2: Something for everyone. Absolutely. And what are your most popular destinations?
0: Our most popular at the moment is the coast to coast, where you're walking from one side of England over to the other.
2: Holy cow, and how yeah. long does that take?
0: It's uh, Each one of our trips is six nights, so we do it in six nights, and um, it's popular for a number of reasons. It's energetic, it's a number five, people find it really challenging, and it's gorgeous. You're seeing one coast and you're literally transporting yourself over to the next one. Right,
2: and so price rides, I realize there's a lot that goes into it, but ballpark, something that they could wrap their head around on on a, like that coast-to-coast trip or something.
0: We can get you there. Um, You pay for your airfare. We'll get everything else, your meals, like I said, everything else all-inclusive for around $4,000. That's
2: pretty
1: reasonable. It's
0: very reasonable. And what's the website? It's uh, www.thewayfarers.com.
1: Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, Mike. Who's next on the list?
2: We have a company called ToursByLocals.com. dot uh, com. The reason I wanted to interview these guys is because I kind of look at their company as the alternative to a expensive workshop, one that you may not be comfortable with. It basically puts locals in touch with travelers, and they would show them around their respective cities. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you know, they, it has no photography element to it. So if you're if you're new or want to branch out of your comfort zone, you probably can't really do this. But if your main goal is to get to a certain destination or maybe destinations that are kind of hidden in a particular city, this is a fantastic
1: alternative. Nice. So maybe if you're already comfortable with your photography equipment and you're not necessarily looking for, like you said, that photo workshop experience. Right. You know, so for a more experienced photographer that wants to get out and um, get behind the scenes a little bit.
2: Yeah, their website is basically just a big directory of locations and and local experts
1: that they can put you in touch with. Very cool. And who are we going to speak to with them? Her name is Sarah. Okay. Check it out.
2: Okay, I'm with Sarah Cook from toursbylocals.com. Sarah, Tell us about the company.
5: Sure, well, what we do is we connect travelers with local guides all over the world. We have a team of about 1,700 local guides that work in 132 countries. So anywhere you're traveling, come to toursbylocals.com you'll be able to find a local guide to deliver a private tour of their city.
2: So it's basically the alternative to sitting on a bus and driving around for 12 hours with other people.
5: That's exactly what it is. You get the cultural insight, you get the knowledge you're looking for, but you also get flexibility, spontaneity, and uh, a deeper understanding of the place you're visiting.
2: And what are some of your more popular uh, destinations with guides that you have?
5: Sure. Well, we have guides in almost a thousand cities around the world. Absolute tip top of the list is Paris. Um, followed by Rome. Kyoto and Tokyo in Japan are very popular.
2: Interesting. Um, Why is yeah. that you think?
5: Japan, It's. I think it's getting a real understanding of the culture there and of course there's a bit of a language barrier. Understanding what you're eating I think is a big thing, so a guide can really help you with those. Right.
2: Cool. Um, now, is this open to anybody? Can they sign up their, their own expertise on your website?
5: We don't. We are not a listing service, so we won't accept just anybody. Any guide can apply, but then there is a, a rigorous screening process, so we want to make sure that the travelers who come to our site are finding truly excellent people to spend their time with.
2: So basically, you don't want anybody who thinks they're a guide and really shouldn't be a guide on your site?
5: Definitely not. <laughs>
2: Any good stories to pass along?
5: Oh, that's a good question. Um, One of my favorite, we had uh, a couple come to Salzburg, Austria, and uh, the fellow wanted to propose to his fiancee, who was a big fan of the Sound of Music movie, so our local guide there was able to get them into the little gazebo where Maria and Captain Von Trapp were romantic, uh, normally it's locked to the public, and he was able to propose to her in there.
2: Oh, that's very cool. And as far as the photography angle, I realize you guys don't necessarily... um advertise photo tours but of course anybody can have a camera and walk around with the with the guide speak to that if you could
5: sure well we found photographers actually make exceptional guides they have uh, this desire to really capture the essence of their city so we do have a lot of people who are professional photographers and they're happy to take tourists around and just yeah show them how to get a unique angle on their city
1: well thanks and the website again is toursbylocals.com that's right thanks so much okay. All right, Mike, we have a few more to go. What's next? We've got
2: Magnificent Seven uh, Luxury Wilderness Lodges. They are based in Canada. And the reason I stopped at this booth is half of their pictures had someone holding a big camera. Hmm. And I figure if it was good enough for that, then it may appeal to our audience. The, uh, it's, a, it's a conglomerate, basically, of different five-star lodges around Canadian lakes and mountains. Uh, they're high-end as far as their own landing strip helicopter landing pad uh, but they take care of a lot of cool stuff and it's in great parts of canada that typical tourists may not get to
1: wow very cool sounds like right up our alley. very cool and we're going to talk to janine janine yeah cool check it out
2: i'm here with janine sutherland of magnificent seven janine give us a little breakdown on your company
6: Okay, so we are actually a partnership of Wilderness Lodges, primarily located in Western Canada, in British Columbia, and Manitoba. They're all independently owned and operated, and all the owners, um, they used to run into each other in industry circles, and so they decided to... uh, to put together this partnership to be a collective marketing force.
2: And I'm looking at some of your photos at your booth. Uh, the place looks amazing, all of them. Uh, can you speak about a few that maybe a photographer would be interested in, in going to?
6: Yeah, frankly, all of them.
2: <laughs> That's an easy answer. <laughs>
6: yeah, all of them are, offer amazing photo opportunities, uh, primarily because they're all really in the middle of nowhere, and um, we kind of market ourselves as as Canadian safari. So you see tons of bears and whales and... Uh, and, and loads of wildlife. So
2: is it an all-inclusive experience? or
6: Pretty much. It, it depends from lodge to lodge, but they generally have uh, three, four, or seven night packages, and they can actually be tied together with um, float planes. Um, and then one of our partners that is located in Manitoba, they offer polar bear viewing. So they're, they're quite a ways away from the lodges in British Columbia. That's
2: cool. And price range, I know ballpark for a, for a seven-night, uh, the low end, the high end, just an idea that a listener can hear.
6: Yeah, I generally tell people that the average price is about... 1200 to 1500 per person per day
2: per day and right that's
6: canadian though canadian funds but um yeah they are super super high end like we're you need to think sort of african luxury african safari experience translated over into
2: without to- the mosquitoes well actually that's not true right
6: <laughs> um yeah there, there may be some mosquitoes at some of the lodges they're, but, uh,
2: they're more bird shaped in canada right <laughs> exactly
6: <laughs> exactly
2: um, what what else could you offer uh, just as a bit of advice when um, a, a listener takes a look at all the lodges what 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 should they decide first I guess
6: well the reality is that all the lodges are very very um, they're very different um, so really what you should do <laughs> is is check out our website or you can give me me a ring basically and I can walk you through what each each lodge has to offer because they're all technically um, they're, they're very complementary. they can be beautifully combined to make for for great itineraries but they are very very different.
2: And the lodges are, are, are they large are they really small kind of range?
6: No they're all super small and that's kind of part of the magic of it they're all owner operated uh, small lodges the largest one has 20, uh, 20 luxury tents. Whoa
2: and, tents okay cool. <laughs>
6: yeah with, with ensuite bathrooms and uh, yeah and the. The smallest one is, is four rooms on a, a boat, actually, which is our floating wilderness lodge.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you so much.
6: Thank you so much. All right. What's your website again? Uh, magnificent7.ca.
1: Okay, Mike. So now we're headed to Africa uh, to talk to a few people. Who's first? We're going to talk with Alan at Infinite Safari.
2: Basically, these guys put together uh, top to bottom your whole safari trip. They specialize in the East African area, Tanzania, Kenya, that kind of thing. And uh, Alan does a very good job explaining pretty much everything about his company, so I guess we'll let him do it. Okay, great. Let's check it out. All right, I'm here with Alan Feldstein at the uh, New York Times Travel Show. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Alan.
7: Well, I'm the owner of Infinite Safari Adventures. We are a custom African wildlife safari and adventure company that does customized safaris for people primarily in East Africa, Tanzania, Kenya. Rwanda, Uganda and I'm also on the Board of Trustees of the Cheetah Conservation Fund so I do trips in Namibia. That's it huh? That's all, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
2: So uh, for somebody that's listening to the podcast what advice can you offer them if they've never
7: been to Africa? Well that's great because I didn't start off in the travel business I was a tourist first just like everybody else who loved amateur photography and I love taking pictures and I always thought about going to Africa and photographing wildlife so I organized my first trip in 2000 and as my wife says the giraffes had me at hello and so I absolutely fell in love with it in those days I took 50 rolls of film in a film lead- what, what, what is that? exactly Do people even remember what film was and uh, um, It was great. I had uh, incredible photos that I got to take there, which was really wonderful and stuff. But my advice to people is work with someone like myself. And that's not an ad. It's that I do custom trips. I organize them so from the moment you land to the moment you get on the plane to go home, I take care of everything for you. I had to do it all myself. It took months and months and months of going on the Internet. And I never knew if what I had planned was good or bad. Now, I've done everything that I send people to, so they get to experience the trip without any of the worries and all that go, that go on.
2: Now, personally speaking, what is your favorite country?
7: Tanzania is a great first country to visit. And the reason I say that is it's got a wide variety of ecosystems. It's got the island of Zanzibar, 30 miles off the coast. Um, it's got a wide variety of wildlife. Terengiri National Park has the second densest population of elephants in Africa. Um, It's got the great wildebeest migration in the Serengeti. The people are fantastic, and tourism is very important to the economy. So not only do they want you to have a good time, they need you to have a good time. And the people are honest. It's safe. It's stable. It's a great place to visit. Cool. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the poaching, what
2: what kind of words can you offer about the rhino and the elephant poaching?
7: So you know, there is poaching, it's always a problem, but I would say the governments are doing uh, uh, as much as they can and continue to do. In fact, this year I was there in November and saw rhino in the Serengeti for the first time and I was happy to see that and there were rangers around 24-7 watching them. So. They're basically
2: babysitters, so right? They, they
7: basically are making sure that nobody is harming them and stuff, which is great. And one of the important things is why... I want I'm so passionate about Africa and bringing people to Africa is if people come to Africa they spend dollars and if they spend dollars people there realize that if there's wildlife there people keep coming if there's poaching people don't come anymore so people are starting to take responsibility to make sure there isn't the kind of poaching problems that other places like in Kruger where people come over from Mozambique or in uh, other parts of the of Africa where there's more poaching and it's a problem because they know their livelihood depends depends on sustainable wildlife that's great anything else to offer the podcast my tagline for my company is people say i'm going to go to africa someday and i say someday is now
1: very cool thanks man thank you okay mike last but not least what do we have we have
2: makani lodge in south africa it's in the timbavani area of south, of kruger national park this uh This vendor, if you will, Makani Lodge, was the reason I actually went to the New York Times Travel Show. I found these guys a couple of months ago. It's a brand new lodge that's opening on June 1st of 2015. And they're they're doing some tours right now, mainly for friends and family. And uh, I went to Africa last year, had a great time that I wanted to go back. So I'm going to go and stay with these guys a week before they officially open. Uh, The lodge is amazing. Uh, Five star. It's beautiful. It looks like a work of art. I don't want to oversell it, but the, um, it's just, it's amazing. And it's in Kruger or on the outskirts of Kruger National Park. So they will have the big five, which I didn't get to experience last year because the lodge I went to was a horseback, uh, centered Hmm. safari where horses are, you can't really have lions. Oh, I see. Or you become lunch or dinner, depending on when you actually leave. Um, but it's a great interview. We actually interviewed the general manager of the camp, Rico Dimitrio. Uh, Rico's a cool guy. He actually used to work at Richard Branson's camp in Africa. And that's how he met the new owners of this Makani Lodge. Um, so let's let Rico take it away. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. I'm here with Rico Demetrio, And no, I did not make that up. That is his name. And uh, Rico is the manager, general manager, yes, manager, general manager, manager at a brand new safari property in South Africa. It's in the Timbavati area, correct? Correct. Tell us a little bit about it, and um, yeah,
8: right. So the Timbavati uh, Game Reserve is a concession of privately owned uh, reserves. Uh, which borders the Kruger National Park, right? There's no fences between us and other game reserves such as Kruger or even our neighbours so the animals all move freely in and out. Um, So, because of that, the interaction with the animals is phenomenal. Um, We have different lions coming in, like, for instance, by us right now, we've had five male lions move in to try to take over the territory. Um, They've beat up on our two dominant males and because of all this chaos, other males have come into the area. Uh, in the last six months, I've seen eleven different male uh, lions, sorry, um, coming in trying to fight. It's like it's like a soapy, actually. It's just chaos going on. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> so,
2: is it safe to say you guys will have the big five at the property? Yeah, we do have the big five. Yes. Now, the property itself. Tell me a little bit about it. How big is it? Uh, you know, the whole
8: thing. All right. So, the, we're, the it's part of Kruger National Park, which is over five million acres. Where we drive, though, you're probably looking at, if I do my calcul- like, calculations right, in, in acres, probably looking at 15,000, 20,000 acres. Yeah.
2: You know, the truth is Americans don't know how big an acre is anyway. Uh, okay, so Okay,
8: cool. So it, it's enough land. Look, if you come during the stay, you, there's no chance you're going to cover every part of the, you know, the piece it's, of land. It's, it's big, is basically yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Okay. Yeah, it's massive. Um, what's also great about our property is, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of white lions. White lions originate from the Timbavati. They were discovered there um, in 1975. Right. Unfortunately, in 1975, a white lion was taken out of the Timbavati and they've used that white lion to spread his genes. So wherever you see white lions and using that across the world, they belong. They came from. That's the, that's the
2: origination point. Yeah.
8: Okay. Cool. Now, what about the uh, the accommodations of the property? Right. Uh, the the rooms are extremely large compared to other. Uh, reserves that we've worked, that I've worked at, over hundred and forty meters squared. Right, for a room, um, there's a massive bed, I mean, geez, the bed's the size of my house, um, probably the size of an apartment in New York. <laughs> right, um, outdoor shower, which everyone has to experience, um, you can shower outside in winter and in summer, because in winter it's not as cold as New York, um, it's like, it's probably like your summer or winter, you know what I mean, yeah. And so, how many rooms are there total? We've got six, uh, eight rooms total. Six are classical suites, and two are honeymoon suites. The only difference is the honeymoon suites have their own private plunge pool. Yeah. Wow. And uh, what, what's the food like? Food. Oh, South Africa is known for the food. Um, we have uh, some qualified chefs, great chefs actually. Their food is magnificent. And I promise you, you eat non stop. If you've never done a trip to Africa, come over. I promise you, you it's, you're gonna it's like you in heaven, food heaven. I promise.
2: So one of the reasons I'm interviewing you versus you know general tour operators because I'm actually going to go to your property in May. Right. You guys open June first, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Cool. And um, uh, the food, I can vouch the food. I actually I went to Africa last year with my wife and daughter, and I gained about 15 pounds <laughs> over the course of about three to four weeks. Uh, the food every night at the place that I stayed at was amazing, and, and I got the, the the sense that it kind of went across that, that whole region. Yeah. Uh, so outside of the incredible animals, the amazing landscape, and brand new accommodations, what else can someone experience
8: when they go? Uh, well, what's great about us is where we are. We've got uh, hot air ballooning. Um, we've got rehabilitation centers where people can go out and just... Bond in, with animals that have been injured that are going to be released back into captivity uh, into the wild if they're able to um, there's traditional dancing that's going on you can go into the village and see how most of africa lives all right you go through there meet people um, so there's actually a lot to do you can go up the drakensberg mountains which is the escarpment of south africa um, and you can actually look down at the whole of Kruger national park and this escarpment where we are is actually higher than table mountain Right. Really? Yeah. Okay, because Table Mountain is. there when you come. I promise that you that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. I have one more question. Um, oh, as far as the game drives are concerned, describe what that experience is like.
8: Right. So with the game drives, obviously we do two a day, um, but if you want to stay out the whole day, out at midnight, we offer that. Um, and what we're trying to do is not just look at an animal, take a photo, move on to the next. We want people to learn about animal behavior and also the smaller things in life. The smaller things in life is actually the reason why the bigger animals are there. Right, so we'll take you out. Uh, teach you about plants that you can use as soap or smoke elephant dung if you want. It helps the locals use that. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Smoke elephant dung. So this
8: is this really works, huh? Yeah. Well, you don't smoke it like a joint, right? <laughs> you actually inhale. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure someone's tried it before, yeah, but yeah, the earth, there has been rangers that have tried it, right? But uh, you inhale it through your nostrils. It opens up your sinuses. If you have got a headache, takes it away. I'll be showing you that in May, and you can actually experience it uh, for yourself. So when you first told me about this,
2: I thought it was a joke.
8: Yeah,
2: but I actually saw pictures of people doing it. and yeah. it, it looks legit.
8: Yeah, well, it's a it's a local belief, right? So the safari we're going to give you and the things we're going to tell you, it's not all made up or what someone wrote in a book. It's what my, I, my, myself and my rangers have learned from the people who have grown up there and lived off of the off of nature their whole lives. So it's all legit. And so you're from South Africa. You speak English very well and Afrikaans, I assume. I speak English very well. Afrikaans. Uh, right. And then another language I speak, which is when you come to us, you're going to hear me speaking it to the trackers, who, by the way, uh, are phenomenal, and we'll be taking you on tracking. You'll come with us and watch the tracker in action as he follows <laughs> the track. Whatever he's say, seeing. Yeah, okay. yeah so we, I speak uh, Shongan, which, oh, Shongan, which is the local language there. Wow. So, yeah, so in Shongan, you say, uh, how are you? Yeah, thank Very you. Very cool. Yeah.
2: So the overall experience is pretty cool, is basically what we're, what we're summarizing yes. here. Yeah,
8: all right, so it's not about you can go anywhere and look at animals, all right, but we offer the energy comes off of the rangers, Right. and that's how the African bush is presented, and I believe that we know how to present the bush, because at the end of the day, you're not there for the rangers, you're there for the animals, but if the rangers doesn't make it exciting, it's never going to be exciting. So. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, price range uh, is, is. Am I right in saying about $600 on the low
8: end and $1,000 per person per night? Well, you're way too expensive, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. For opening till uh, till uh, next year, uh, we about $480 per person per night. That's
2: US for 480 US. Yeah, that's for. Uh, that is a phenomenal <laughs> price. Based and i will say why the reason it is is based on the pictures of the of the camp. I mean, I, I, it's not even called a camp, it looks like a resort almost. Yeah.
8: No, definitely. Um, if we, uh, I've been working in the industry for nearly nine years now. I've worked at places that are five-star, some of the top places in South Africa actually, and you can compare this lodge to those places. I'm not just saying that because I work there. Right. I, I moved there from a five-star, high-class place, and I wouldn't be stupid enough to move from that place to another place that's not going to make it. Right, so, right, yeah. right.
2: So 480
8: on the low end. Wow. Yes, and also other specials. Uh, if you book four, because we want people to stay longer, right. you book four nights, you get you pay for three. You book eight nights, you pay for six. Wow. So yeah. Oh, six, not seven. Yeah, six. Holy yeah. Cow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I can't wait to see you in May. Well, so me, I'm excited. I'm going to be driving you around.
1: Well, Mike, thanks a lot for all your hard work, man, and for putting all those interviews together. I, I think uh, I think the listeners will find all that really interesting and really informative. And uh, I'm definitely going to get everybody's links and uh, and put them on the show notes. It was a great time. And I would say it only fueled my thirst for more travel, for sure. Sure. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I, you know, I've got two young kids, so I don't necessarily get to go to the travel expos and things like that. But, uh, but I'm going to try to fix that later this year. So uh, if you like what you're hearing on your itinerary, then please go to iTunes and give us a couple of stars and a nice review. And uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. And join us on Twitter at your itinerary. And leave any comments or questions or suggestions for future shows. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.
0: You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other Twip shows and get on our mailing list. Become a Twip member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on Twip products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure and we'll see you next week on Your Itinerary for travel and photography.